The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. As you know by now, if you've been tuning in at all, you know that this show is all about the world of work and how we ideally meaningfully connect to it. Since we do spend a significant portion of our lives engaged in work, I'm interested in bringing you guests who have a story to tell about their fulfilling experience of work and what it means to who they are as human beings. I also like to bring on authors who have a perspective or a story that I think you might find educational or inspiring. So this week, we get to have what we call here in Texas a twofer. That is, we get to have both. <laughs> so on the line with us is Susan Sokoblosser calling in from Dayton, Oregon, which is outside the Portland area. Susan is a contemporary Oregon icon. She made her fame as a wine industry pioneer, community activist, environmental advocate, and author. Her newest book is called Letting Go, How One Entrepreneur Energized Her Business, Empowered the Next Generation, and Embraced a Bold New Vision. I absolutely loved reading this book, Susan, and getting to know you some because of it. I grew up in Oregon, lived for years in Portland, have visited the Sokoblosa Winery, and I'm delighted to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I was just thrilled to have you on since I have been to your winery and I have such a connection still to Oregon, so thrilled to have you. So uh, before we get into our conversation with Susan, let me just say first, though, that she has graciously agreed to let me run a contest to give away three of her books autographed for the winner. And so in order to participate, contestants submitted a story telling us about something important in their lifetime that they've had to give up and how doing so has impacted their overall lives. So we chose this topic since Susan's book is about her letting go of her helm as president of Sokol Blosser Winery and recreating the life and identity that came afterwards. So we got several amazing stories from listeners describing some really deeply poignant aspects of their lives that nonetheless yielded an outcome that has vastly improved their lives. So from that, we've drawn three from the collection, and we'll announce these winners at the end of the show today. Very exciting. Thank you again, Susan, for agreeing to the contest. It was really gratifying for me to get to engage with our listeners on such a meaningful level. So thank I thought you it again. was a great, great idea, Elise. Good for oh, well, you. Well, good. Well, thanks. Well, well, now let's dive into the conversation with you here. There's so much I want to learn about you in the short time that we have. And um, before we get started, I know that you've been doing so many things in this life of yours. So maybe to, to get us started, Orient Forest, what are you up to these days? Introduce us and say a bit about what you're doing these days, if you would. Okay. Well, I turned over the presidency of Sokol Blosser Winery, um, control of the winery, in 2008, and since then have done sort of unexpected things. When I was in the process of giving it up, people asked me, well, what are you going to do? 
And I realized that I didn't have an answer, but I also realized that wasn't the right question. The right <laughs> question was, how are you going to give it up? Because that's what I was, that's the difficulty I was facing at the time. But when I did give it up, I felt like the world opened up to me and I realized that I had been living for years with all of my energy and time and emotions directed at the running of my business. And that when that Everything else was on pause. And when that stopped, when I was liberated from that, I suddenly had the opportunity to do, well, not whatever I wanted, but things that I hadn't thought of before. So I actually ran for office, which was entirely unexpected. I could never have predicted that I would do that. Um, I lost which was a huge ego blow, but <laughs> sure. I, I felt like all the good people were on my side, and I had such momentum uh, that I decided, you know, I could work on these issues that I've become so engaged with locally. I don't have to be at the state level to do it. I had some campaign funds left over. I raised a ton of money, and and you're allowed, you can't keep those funds, but you're allowed to donate them to a nonprofit or to a charity. So I started a nonprofit called the Yamhill Enrichment Society, or YES, and Yamhill County is where I live, to work on things that interested me and, and put the campaign funds into that. So my small nonprofit is something that engages me. I feel like it's. Um, the entrepreneurship of the elder, and we can talk about that later. So the nonprofit, um, I do a lot of speaking about issues that interest me, sustainability, uh, women in business, um, aging and staying vital. Plus, I have a garden. I love gardening. For me, it's very cathartic. Um, we... I live at the base of the vineyard, and I, we have um, eight chickens, three cats, and a puppy. And that is the other thing that's taking up a lot of time. Uh, we have a puppy, a Tibetan terrier, now a year and a half, and we've devoted a lot of time to training him and making him a true companion. And then I have family. Um, I have... Three children, two of them are actively running the winery. The third is chairman of the board, has his own business in Portland. They're all local. They all have children, and I like to see them as often as I can, which is not as often as I'd like because they're all very busy. Mm-hmm. You have got to be the busiest retired woman I've met, Susan. Well, one of the things I rail against is the word retirement. Retired, I yes, to... I thought so. I, I got that in your book. I had to tease you a little bit about that. I know you're not really retired. You're just going on to the next thing. But um, the list is extraordinary, and there's a common theme there that I do want to talk about, and it is the idea of entrepreneurship. Um, you talk about this. You talk about your family being entrepreneurs, your brother, your father, all of your children. What is your perspective on, on entrepreneurship? Do you think it's nature? Do you think it's nurture? Is it both? What do you think? Well, I, I really do think it's both. I think that you, 
you know, some people really don't want to be in charge. They want to um, have a voice, but they don't want to be responsible. And then there are others who want to make a difference by controlling and making the decisions, taking risks, and pitting yourself essentially against fate, against whatever, to see if you can be a success. Um, and I think that there's a nature, nurture, I mean, well, there's both. There's a nature part of that. People have these proclivities one way or the other, but that it can be developed. You know, I sat at the dinner table for years and listened to my mm-hmm. father talk about the challenges of his business. And he wasn't talking to me, really. He was talking to my brothers. I happened to be there. Um, but I absorbed it as well as they did. And lo and behold, I became a business owner myself. <laughs> and, you know, my husband and I talked about all our business issues and our kids absorbed that. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, the answer is yes, it's both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also am the product of entrepreneurs in Oregon. They had a restaurant business and a farm. And like you, that's what I I grew up with. I do work for myself today, too. Not on the order that you created, of course, but it is also part of, I think you're right, I think I got it by osmosis from the dinner table. So interesting explanation. Very interesting. I like that. Well, let me add one other piece to that, because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurship can be a continuum. But one of the things that I feel relatively strongly about is that I want, if I'm going to be responsible for something, I want control. And I want my business to be a size where I know what's going on in every aspect of it and um, have the final say. Not everybody wants that. Other people want to get as big as possible and as powerful as possible. So, I mean, there are different goals within entrepreneurship. And what I want to say is, um, if it's okay, to talk a little bit about the entrepreneurship of the elder, because I think that's a yeah, really interesting, interesting phenomenon. I didn't realize this until I got into it. And somebody pointed this out to me, is that the entrepreneurship of the elder is taking risks and creating something like other entrepreneurs, but it's targeted at giving back to the community, using what you've learned over previous um, previous career, and making use of that, whether you're mentoring or raising money for the community, but it's not climbing the career ladder. It's entrepreneurship without climbing the career ladder, and I think that's the significant piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, in Lifespan Human Development, Susan, there is a, a, a topic uh, called generativity. That, and there is something about us as human beings that we do want to give back. And as we get older, that's an important part of our aging and maturation process. And I think what you're describing falls into that camp. Yes, yes. And a friend told me, 
she said there are really three challenges to aging. One is generativity. In other words, um, mm-hmm. how do we pass along? Yes. How do we dial back our power and pass along what we've learned? Um, you want to know what the other two are? Please. Okay. <laughs> I need to know. Um, the second one is managing loss. Uh-huh. And this is loss on all fronts, you know, loss of stature, you know, no longer president or whatever. Um, physical, of course, we all know about that, the pull of gravity, etc. <laughs> Not as much energy um, uh-huh. and loss of people. You know, I'm at an age where I have friends my age who are dying off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third, which I love, is it was told to me as recapturing innocence mm. and finding the joy that you had as a child. And I think this is really a challenge because you see so many old people who are A, grumpy, or B, so sad because of all the loss or because they're not vital, you know, because lack of generativity. And there's a Buddhist saying um, that, you know, may I find joy in my life wherever I am. And I think that really applies to this refinding, recapturing innocence. Mm-hmm. You have been on such an amazing journey, Susan. I, that's one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about your book. I feel like you were—you really let us in. You were authentic and just kind of opened the, the, the drapes, if you will, and into your life. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, how much you let us learn about you and your struggles and the things that you questioned and all those things along the way that are part of your journey of what's got you to where you are today. It's one of the best things that I love about the book. I also love the humor, by the way. Thank you for for that, too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was just really, I really enjoyed that. I, I picked it up and I, for the most part, didn't put it down until I had to take a break and, and I got through it and, and I just, in fact, I finished it while I was visiting at a ranch, oddly enough. That was kind of a nice finish, but... Um, I do want to talk about your time when you, before you got to the place, when you have moved on to this new journey, when you had to start the letting go process. I'm intrigued very much with the idea that you are um, a woman who has been a pioneer in the Oregon wine industry when maybe that wasn't the norm. And so I guess I would like you, if you would, speak a bit about that. How unusual was it for you to be a woman heading up a winery in, in Oregon or anywhere for that matter when you did? Well, Yes, that's a good question. It was very unusual. And what was interesting is that the Oregon wine industry was started by a handful of couples. Um, And now that handful of couples, which includes myself and Bill Blosser, um, are considered the pioneers. But the reality was the men were the decision makers. And The women, you know, to use a sports analogy, the men were the starters, the women were the bench. The women worked very hard, but they were not the decision makers, um, the ones who called the shots, so to speak. So for me to actually be president and call the shots was really unusual. 
Mm. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to do it was because it was so unusual, and I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could pull it off, um, which tells you something about me. I mean, yes, it, it does. I, had, <laughs> <laughs> I would never have been hired for the job. I didn't have um, an MBA. I didn't have a lot of uh, financial training, but I owned half the company. And my husband, who had been president, was really burned out. And we didn't have much money, and I was willing to do it for almost no money. So it was, and then he went back to work. I mean, we we said, Bill's going to get a real job rather than running the winery. And went back to um, city planning, which he had a degree in. So... I lived, I worked for a long time hoping that no one would realize how little I actually knew about what I was trying to do. (laughs) Susan, that's wonderful. (laughs) Um, And eventually, a lot of on-the-job training I learned. Mm -hmm. So um, it can be done. I I mean, I really feel my story should give hope to all entrepreneurs, all budding entrepreneurs. Um, if you, if you're determined, if you, if failure is not an option, you find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things that I've appreciated about your book is, is that you are just real and candid about your story and yourself and your struggles and the things you had to overcome to get there. I, there's a lot to learn from, from you in your book, Susan, and, and what you're saying in today's interview. And, and it does make me wonder, though, do, do you think that being a woman made your path as an entrepreneur different from maybe the way men around you went about it? Oh, absolutely. Um, women tend to ask questions. <laughs> Admit they don't um, know something. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, even... And I find this interesting when I read this in a book because I thought, wow, I do that. Women tend to ask questions even when they know the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you would not find a man doing that. But that is a way to connect with people, to um, make them feel important. And to get into further conversation. So I, I really had, um, I engaged my, my staff, my employees. I gave them power. I, used, I thought of it as giving them enough rope to either climb to the stars or hang themselves. Oh, so In other words... That- Yes, um, on that note, can I stop here really quick? I've got to go for a short break. That is such a sure. beautiful way to go into a break, and let's pick it up when we come back. But oh, we've okay. we've been on the air with Susan Sokolblosser, who is a pioneer in the Oregon wine industry. Her newest book is Letting Go, How One Entrepreneur Energized Her Business, Empowered the Next Generation, and Embraced a Bold New Vision. Stay with us. We'll talk more after the break. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. We're here with Susan Sokolblosser, a pioneer in the Oregon wine industry. She's joining us from Dayton, Oregon, which is just outside Portland. Her newest book is called Letting Go, How One Entrepreneur Energized Her Business, Empowered the Next Generation, and Embraced a Bold New Vision. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Let's pick up where we left off. You were talking, Susan, about your your approach as a female entrepreneur and differentiating from maybe how your male counterparts had gone about it. So would you finish what you were saying there? That was quite interesting how you, you said you were empowering your employees. That's where we left off. Yes. So my... What I ended up doing was giving my employees a lot of leeway to come up with programs, to make decisions, and to, to take the ball and run with it. And what I found was that some of them did, and they became stars and rose in the organization, and others couldn't handle it, um, just sat waiting for instructions, and they fell by the wayside. So I started to think of it as giving my employees enough rope to either climb or hang themselves and uh, realized that I, I really valued the ones who had ideas and wanted to move forward and didn't just look at what they were doing as a job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ones who valued being given more power 
were the ones I needed to help me move forward. Mm. So I think one of the things women tend to do is, besides make connections, um, is the tendency to connect and that easily leads to empowerment of employees. Mm-hmm. I completely endorse that, Susan. And um, But that notion of empowerment, I know, is very interesting to a lot of our listeners. In fact, of course, Susan, we are on the empowerment channel of Voice America, so a perfect way to give that nice, fun plug. We didn't even tend to do it, did we? No. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, well, and I'm also interested, too, when you think about this, I mean, you've sort of mentioned in your book a few things about the way you've gone about business. There's a couple things I also want to definitely call out before we get more into the book itself. But you do talk about this idea of being both gracious and also ruthless in your business and the key to survival and the success of your winery. Also, maybe that's interesting from your perspective as a female. Can you say more about what you mean by that? Yes. I, this was something that I realized actually after I gave up control and I started to look back and I had kept um, notes on things that I learned and I realized that one of the keys to my success, um, ability to stay competitive and yet be true to myself, was this combination of gracious and ruthless. And let me explain what I mean. Ruthless is the ability to look very clear-mindedly at a situation without, I want to say, without feeling. In other words, you look at the pros and cons in a sort of intellectual manner. Um, What is right for the good of the business? Gracious is how you deal with it. Mm. So say you have an employee who is not, everybody likes, but is really not performing. And you've done, you know, all the paperwork and everything, and you're just torn apart because you don't know what to do. So I would look at that ruthlessly and say, what what does the business need? Is this employee adding to the business? You know, what are the pros and cons of keeping this employee on? And then how I dealt with that would be the gracious piece of it. And gracious is compassion. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can't be just ruthless or no one, that's nasty. No one's going to want to do business with you. Um, but you can't be just gracious just compassionate because people will run all over you. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what is important and then deal with it compassionately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How lovely. I think that's a very interesting distinction. I like that combination together too. Not surprising given what you've said so far. Well, the interesting thing, when I came up with this concept, I was telling it to a friend and she said, don't you think ruthless is a little harsh? And I said, <laughs> I said, no, it's exactly the right word because it's, I don't equate it with cruel. It's unemotional. Mm-hmm. It's an unemotional look at what is best for the business from a business point of view. Right. And I think maybe perhaps the question might have come that we don't often hear a woman talk about being ruthless. I don't know if that's part of the disconnect there, but what do you think? 
Well, that's one of the reasons I like the word, because Me it gets too, people's yeah. attention. Um, mm-hmm. And people, people look at gracious and ruthless, and they think, huh? <laughs> How can that be? But I really feel that they are not only complementary, you need to be both to be successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. I think we can all learn something from that. So all of us out there in the, in the audience who, who are wondering about that combination, it's, it's a powerful one, I think. Um, and I'm not sure if that, pack, that factors into your decision. I'm, if, if we get closer into your book here and part of your, your journey here, when you, when you started to realize that the vision needed to drive your business forward had to come from your next generation, that being your, your two, your, two of your offspring, um, I'd love to hear more about how it was that you came to that understanding, Susan. Why, why did that idea come to you and, and when? Well, that is related to Gracious and Ruthless mm-hmm, because yeah. I, I took a ruthless look at the business and <laughs> realized that I had achieved my vision of what I wanted to do with the winery. Um, we had adopted sustainability across the operation. We had taken the vineyards organic, um, certified organic. I'd hired a winemaker who took our wines to new heights. We'd built an underground barrel cellar that got the first U.S. Green Building Council LEED certification uh, for a winery. So we, I felt, you know, gosh, I, I've done all these things I wanted to do, but the winery, any business, needs a vision to go forward. So if you achieve one, you've got to find another one. And that's when I thought, you know, maybe it shouldn't be mine. Maybe it should come from the next generation because they're the ones who are going to have to carry it out. They need to own it. And that was, a, that was one of the big factors um, in deciding that I needed to turn over control. And what's also fascinating from my vantage point is that it sounds like that they, they were already part of the business and want to be part of the business. It wasn't like you had to ask them, would you take this over, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Once my son had joined in 1998 and my daughter in 2004, and that's when I knew that... Um, they would be my exit strategy. And exit strategy was not a phrase that I had in my lexicon until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, when we started out in the early 70s, we were a young couple. We had no, um, no thought that we were really starting a family business or what the future would hold. We were just doing our thing. And it wasn't until we became really an established business and then when I had two kids in really a family business um, that these issues came to the fore. And I've become very interested in the phenomenon of family business because there are so many in the United States. They are the top generator of jobs, um, and they're very fragile. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, families are, family business is beset not only with the issues that all businesses face, but the emotional 
um, interaction of family members is huge. And, you know, this was a big issue for my two children. They were a brother-sister, six years apart, with the brother being older. Um, they, they had brother-sister dynamics to deal with. And I am a, I've become a big fan of business coaches for that reason. Somebody neutral that can help, that has seen all this before, that knows what the, the pitfalls are and can help navigate. I, I completely agree. I, I personally think that everybody could use a coach, somebody else, an outside yeah. sounding board, right, that can help us see things maybe from a different perspective, allow us to suspend our, our suspicions or what we think we know for just a moment. I completely agree. Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm also in the business. <laughs> I promise. But I, I also have a coach, too, and I believe in it wholeheartedly. So concur, Susan. Yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about that transition a bit. I, you mentioned in your book that it took three years to pull off. And that maybe isn't a long time for transitioning for such a, such a business as, as, you, as you have. But no, why did it take that yeah. period? It's not a long time. And um, it probably it could have been five years easily. But we decided on three. And, you know, they had... A lot. They had such a steep learning curve. So we decided at the end of 2004 that we were going to do this. Um, the 2005, I tried to involve them in as many different aspects of the business as I could. Um, they both, Allison, the daughter, was involved in marketing and finance in the business. Alex, my son, was involved in. Um, both the vineyard and sales. And then 2006 is when they both wanted to be president. And that was really interesting Mm -hmm. because they were both skilled and good administrators, but very different. And I, in fact, gave the senior staff the Myers-Briggs test, personality test, mm-hmm. and honestly, I burst out laughing when I saw the results for Alex and Allison because they were total opposite ends yes. of the spectrum, and mm-hmm. we said, oh gosh, if we could just put them together, wouldn't they be dynamite? So we, the coach said, just let this ride and see who rises to the top, and gosh, they both rose to the top. So she finally said to us, consider a joint, a co-presidency, a joint Mm -hmm. presidency. She said it's not done often, but it's possible. And she actually had to convince Alex and Allison that this would work. Um, And it was interesting. She we at a board meeting, she looked at Allison and she said, you know, what if you were president and you wanted to become pregnant? She didn't have any kids at that point. And you wanted to take time off to be with your baby. Well, if you were co-presidents and sort of interchangeable, you could do that and the business would still function. Mm. And she looked at Alex, who had twin um, boys at that point, um, still 
preschool and said, you know, you could have family life if you had a co-president that could take some of the responsibilities. So she talked them into it. And, of course, ironically, by the time they did become co-presidents, Allison was pregnant. So it was um, good. So we decided uh, as a family board, there are five of us, um, including Alex and Allison, that they would be co-presidents as of 2008, January 2nd, 2008, and we would put a, get them a special business coach to teach them how to work together. And this coach was terrific. She, they spent 2006 coming up with a transition plan and their vision for the winery um, and presented it to the board. And then 2007 was what we called the practice year, where I was still president in name, but they were really the operations people. And that was the year that was excruciating for me um, because that's when I really felt in my gut that the loss of control. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. I, I want to first, before we get into that, because I want to ask you more questions about that actual experience, Susan, but I want to definitely applaud you on how thoughtful you were, being ruthless and how you approached how you're going to exit out of the business and turn it over to your children. I think that that is something I also hope our listeners will take from too, that that very, very thoughtful, strategic approach. Um, I hope you're proud of that. Are you? Well, yes, thank you. I am proud of it because what I realized was that as I learned more about family businesses, that what we did was relatively unusual. Mm-hmm. That most, most families and family businesses, the parents don't give up control. Right. They take longer and longer vacations, but they still hold the strings. And that leaves the heirs standing in the, you know, in the background waiting. It's what I call the Prince Charles syndrome. Right. Just waiting in the wings, not able to really take hold. And I felt very strongly that I wanted my kids to feel the weight of the business in their gut and for them to really feel the responsibility they had to have it. And for them to have it meant that I needed to step back. Oh, what a perfect way to cue us up for a break, Susan. We have to go for a short break. That is gorgeous. We have been on the air with Susan Sokolblosser, who is a pioneer in the Oregon wine industry. She's calling in from Dayton, Oregon. Her newest book is Letting Go, How One Entrepreneur Energized Her Business, Empowered the Next Generation, and Embraced a Bold New Vision. Stay with us. We'll talk more after the break. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style. Be the star you are. Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're here with Susan Sokolblosser, who is a pioneer in the Oregon wine industry, and she's joining us here from Dayton, Oregon, which is outside of Portland. We're talking about her newest book here, which is called Letting Go. And before the break, she was talking to us about how that journey of letting go of the presidency was so hard. And I do want to talk about that, Susan, because it's so gorgeous the way you describe it in the book. And it's it's important that what you got from it and what how you came through the other side. So tell us a little bit about why was that final year so hard for you? What made it so? Well, that was a question I kept asking myself all year because... It was hard, and I kept saying to myself, why is this so hard? This is something I started. This is what I wanted to do. And if my kids had come to me and said, Mom, we've decided we don't want to do this. We want you to stay president, I wouldn't have been happy. It wasn't that I wanted my old job back. It's that I just had so much trouble letting go, and that made me want to figure out why. So it was, you know, it's mainly looking back that I realize um, how much of my whole identity was tied up in the business, that this was something that I had started with my husband in early 1970s. It was pretty much the only thing I'd done. I mean, I'd had a few other jobs, but they became things that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't justify because I was needed at the vineyard and winery. So it was my life, and we raised the kids in the vineyard and the winery. It was um, I had become really attached to the land through managing the mm-hmm. vineyard. Um, I had made the winery profitable when I took over. It was. It was my identity. So I think that that was a key piece of it. If I wasn't the 
president of Sokol Blosser, who was I? Mm-hmm. And I also realized that I had really developed the public part of me. And I'd done a good job because, you know, the winery was successful and so forth. But there was a part of me that I had suppressed in order, excuse me, to develop the public part. And that was what was inside, I guess. Yes. The the self that um, wasn't that wasn't public. And so that's sort of the journey that I started after I gave up the winery was to look inside. And it's the kind of thing, if I could use an analogy, um, when people are, ter- are diagnosed with a terminal illness, they look inside and sort of come to terms with themselves. And that's sort of what I felt I had to do. Um, even though, you know, I wanted to do it before I was diagnosed with a terminal in- illness. Um, and so that was a big piece of it. And I actually went through a grieving period. The, uh, at one point when I was having so much trouble, Allison said to me, Mom, why don't you see Marsha, their coach? And I didn't want to admit I might need help, but I finally decided I would, and she was marvelous. Um, she finally said to me, Susan, you're grieving. Yeah. You're grieving the piece of you that you're giving up. Mm-hmm. Part of you is dying, and you're grieving about it. And that made so much sense. I mean, it helped just to understand what was going on. So what finally happened, I mean, this is in the book, and I just think this is so extraordinary, I took Allison on a sales trip to Atlanta and Toronto to introduce her to people and so forth. She said, sure, Mom, I'll go. I'll be your baggage handler, which she (laughs) thought was really cute. Well, it turned out when we got to Toronto, I broke my ankle. Mm, I remember this in the book, yes. it, It was, I look back now and I say, to myself, I was having so much trouble giving up control, the universe stepped in and gave me a swift kick. (laughs) And what that did was totally sideline me for two months. I couldn't, um, my office was on the second floor, I couldn't get up steps. Um, We set up a uh, satellite so I could, and network so I could um, connect with the winery from my house at the base of the vineyard. And I worked from home for two months. And mm-hmm. while I was doing that, my kids came into their own. I wasn't around to butt in, and they did a great job. The staff started to look to them instead of to me, and the, tr- the transition really fell into place. But it took the universe to, uh, as I say, give me a swift kick to sideline me to make it happen. 
Oh, Susan, I love that. And you do a beautiful job of, of telling us about that in the book. And by the way, quick little sideline here. Uh, Sherry from Dallas did call back and it sounds like she does have a question. So let's see what she has to say. Sherry from Dallas, go ahead. Hi, Susan. Um, I've been enjoying the show. I had a quick question for you. How do you think we can help this next generation diversify some of their interests so that they don't feel like they have just one singular vision so that when that one task of whether it's raising children or building a business is gone, they end up in that same scenario, maybe to help bridge the gap when it comes to that for them. What are some suggestions you might have? Oh, Sherry, that is such a good question. And my immediate reaction is that in order to build our business, because it's so competitive, it's so crowded, that it takes total dedication. So I'm not sure what the answer is to that. You know, I know that... Both my kids who are in the business have families. They take family vacations, uh, which is something that we never were able to do. Um, I mean, our idea of a family vacation was to go to a wine festival, not Disneyland. (laughs) So they at least are doing that. I feel like they have made family life and doing other things a priority, but they also are working really hard. And I'm glad because I think that they're learning so much by doing this. So I don't have an answer to that question, and I'm not sure that they should diversify. I mean, that's kind of a bold statement, but there will be time to diversify later. Mm-hmm. As you have done yourself. You, yeah. Well, an, an interesting point you make, Susan, because um, when I left corporate America, I started my own business and then started writing. And so what I mean by diversify, it's having multiple interests other than just one. Um, and, and you're right, I don't understand the wine business, but I also think that in order to help our next generation of leaders, they want to have things that they learn and that they can offer that are more than just one singular focus. And so as we help raise our children, and for me, and I don't know if you have any, but grandchildren, I want them to feel fulfilled, whether they're a homemaker or a business owner or an author or a struggling entrepreneur, but they seem to have a focus of wanting to learn multiple things at once and um, versus maybe a master of one craft, which is what obviously you were. And so um, the universe gives you an opportunity to step out <laughs> and um, let, let them figure it out, but you know, we don't necessarily all have till we're in our 60s and are, are graced and blessed with the opportunity to make that transition then. What about living intentionally day by day? And oh, absolutely. I love that. And I think, you know, it's important to take music lessons and ballet and yoga and art classes. I mean, all kinds of things that expand one's universe. And I see my grandchildren doing that now, languages, um, and I think that all helps um, diversify. So in that sense, absolutely. Wonderful, and I appreciate you sharing your story of how letting it go and 
And sometimes if we don't get it the first time, somehow the universe gives us an opportunity to lay on our back and we get it again when we're least expecting it. So congratulations yes. to you for making it work well for you and thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank, thank you for you calling, for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Susan, we have just a little bit more time together here and I've got a couple more things I want to get out of you before we, we make our final yeah. announcements as to our winners here. Um, can you say a little bit, and we don't have much time, so maybe just within a minute or so, how did you personally recalibrate after you stepped down from the winery? You went through a process, I know, but can you sort of describe how you went about it? Well, it was really a spiritual process. Um, I really studied, I learned meditation, I studied Buddhism, which I found very interesting, just as an ethical system, and um, I read a lot. I just, I went, I turned inward, let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. I spent um, two years turning inward. That is lovely, and uh, that's what I got from your book, And, and there's a lot of really good nuggets in there for people that are looking for whatever their next transition is. And for you, you have so many great pearls of wisdom in that, Susan, about when we do give something up, if we'll just open up and let's, let's see what comes, how beautiful it can be. So I want to, again, applaud you for the beautiful book that you wrote. Um, it was a wonderful read. And let's go ahead and talk real quick about how can people find your book. Tell me where they can buy, the, buy your book. Well, it's only on Amazon as an e-book. Um, the hard copy is available on my uh, author website, which is my full name, SusanSokolBlosser.com, and it's also available at Powell's.com. Okay, perfect. All right, well, we are at the close here, so I want to say thank you, Susan, so much for being on this show. I knew you would be a fantastic guest, and of course you were. I appreciate you talking about your book and letting us into your personal journey about your new identity, your new life. So thank you for being with us. You are welcome. This was, thank you for letting me sound off. Oh, well, if only I could have you for more time. But um, at this point, let's announce our winners, shall we? So yes. um, the way this went was, as I mentioned, I had asked Susan, would you be willing to maybe give a book? And she said, well, shoot, I'll give three books, and uh, which was very generous um, of her book, and it will, be, it will be autographed. And what would happen is um, we asked people to uh, submit an entry explaining some aspect of their life that they had given up, some part of their life that was important and that they had given up, and what doing so meant to their overall lives. And so we got some several really amazing entries, people talking about really important parts of their lives and what happened on the other side. And what we were able to learn then is that people, most of the time, it came through better for them. So I really felt connected to my listeners in a new way. So those of you listening who submitted something, thank you very, very much. We drew from the entries, and here are our three winners. Is there a drum wall, please? Okay, so the first entry was, or first, I should say, first winner was, and she was actually the first entry as it turned out, Allie from Abilene, Texas. Second winner is Deborah from San Francisco, California. And third is Kirsten from Edmonton, Canada. So um, all of you will then be getting in the mail here. I'll get your addresses from you offline, and we will send you uh, Susan's book. So thank you very much again, Susan, for being on the show. So many pearls of wisdom and the way you narrated your grace and wisdom is gorgeous. And when I do come through Oregon, I'll look forward to meeting you in person. Um, Next week, we will be hearing from Dr. Malia Maynard about her decision to heed her internal compass and pursue becoming a medical doctor. She started medical school at age 32 after having been already in a successful career. She'll describe about that persistent voice that kept telling her she had to go and do this. And finally, she decided to do it. 
So in closing, remember what I like to say, work is one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. 